Hey, everybody. Welcome into episode number 87 of the Curtain Call podcast, a production of the Yes Network. He is Yes Network president of production and programming and executive producer John J. Filippelli. I'm Justin Shackle, producer Dan Bassone with us as well for the ride. If you already are not doing so, please subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss the latest episode. Give us a review as well. Five stars. Uh, if you don't think we're worthy of five stars, keep it to yourself. Uh, John, I've heard you in the past say you thought Michael K was a, a great fit to be the one who kind of leads the Yes Network. And I think a lot of us who uh, who are on air at the Yes Network, we look at Michael K as sort of that that captain or so. And Michael's going to join us on this episode as we get closer to opening day here this week. But overall, what what made Michael the the ideal person to take on that that challenge as the Yes Network started up over 20 years ago now? Uh, well, I think it's two things that make him stand out. Um, I think he stands out because he's so well-rounded and he knows all sports. So any conversation that he finds himself in, he's never read a loss to, to sort of uh, do add some texture to it because he knows sports and he knows it really well and he knows the people who play it. And that has only gotten, his knowledge has only improved obviously through the years as he's gotten more experience behind the mic because when we hired him, he had really no play-by-play experience, but it was, it was a bit of a gamble uh, on, on my part for sure. But, you know, it was a gamble I thought we could take because I thought Michael was had done so much work with Sterling. He had done some radio work, some play-by-play. And I think that was enough to sort of, it was a little rough around the edges, but I thought he would sort of kind of fit over time. He would fit nicely into what we were trying to do because he's so unselfish in that booth. And you listen to him today, I was always setting up uh, Coney and Paul and Flash, who's ever in the booth with him. He's always sort of has a way of, of, uh, uh, of getting the, the best out of them because he knows, you know, he knows the game. He knows what needs to be said. And he also knows really great points of interest in the game. And if it's not being said by his wingmen, you know, the the the, the, the analysts with him, he, he'll ask that question to bring it out of him because he knows what the answer is supposed to be. So he'll bring it out. He'll draw it out. And he's so unselfish. He'll give up his own time to, you know, to make sure that the, the analysts get their say and they get it in a way that supports the, the, the premise of what we're trying to do. And that only comes because he's so unselfish. So that unselfishness is the fact that he's so prepared. And the fact that he's, you know, he's willing to go into sort of uncharted waters sometimes and explore things makes him really, I think, a really excellent play-by-play person that he is. He's wonderful at it. Now, John, in the short time that I've been with you uh, on here on the Curtain Call podcast, we've never had a guest. So th- this is this is big here, this episode. Um, getting ready we for a new season? Guests. We have to get guests. Yeah. You know, it really helps to have guests. I mean, you and I could talk and it's fine, but it's not as it's not as interesting as, as you know, having a good guest who can really either lend texture to what we're trying to say uh, or, I mean, go out on their own and just support the, the program on their own because they're they're so strong and they've got the, the knowledge and the, and the content and the context that, that you need to be to support a podcast and to do it in a way that needs to be done. So it's great to have a guest. And, and Michael is, Michael is a supreme guest again, because he's so unselfish. He's got a really good sense of humor and he's just, you know, he's just fun to be around. All right. Without further ado, our guest, this episode here on the curtain call podcast, the longtime TV voice of the New York Yankees on the yes network, Michael K. Michael, thanks so much for uh, coming back to curtain call. Look, how honored are you to to be on your favorite and most listened to podcast again? 
You know what? I didn't sleep most of the night. Just thinking about this, I don't want to mess up. So I'm quite honored. That's how I, I feel the night before episodes. Sleep. Yeah. Um, we, we talk about the season coming up in, in a matter of days now. The biggest news is all pertaining toward a rookie. And I don't think we we thought we'd, we'd be at this spot at the beginning of spring training. But overall, after, what, 40 days or so, how surprised were you when the Yankees added Anthony Volpe to the opening day roster? Well, at the beginning of spring training, I had a feeling that it wasn't going to happen because there were too many things to overcome. The fact that Peraza had some experience uh, and he actually played in the ALCS last year and that, that Volpe wasn't on the 40-man roster. Then when I went down to spring training with David Cohn to do a couple of games in the middle of March, just started talking to people and I got the sense that it certainly could happen. He was opening eyes and that they were, they were certainly amenable to, uh, to putting him on the roster and having him start. They had that big meeting. Uh, I think there were a lot of people that advocated for him and said, this guy is ready. And I give him credit because every year you want to just improve from the year before. And now when you take a look at the shortstop position, they have improved there. He's better, I believe, than IKF. I think he's going to hit more than IKF. And I think one thing that the Yankees need, I think they need an infusion of youth and energy. And he's going to give them that. So I think uh, I think it was a really good move. They said it was a competition. He blew away the competition. If he didn't make the team, I think it would have been a bad look for everybody. So they did the right thing by having him make the team. It was really pretty amazing that he, that he did it. I mean, even though he had a tremendous spring, I mean, he had the best spring of any Yankee player. And I mean, he had to have that kind of spring to make the team because it's not that he doesn't have the tools or that he's not ready. It's just that the Yankees have sort of a glut of, of personnel that they have to sort of sort through as to, you know, where are you going to play? Where's LeMayu going to play, right? And is Donaldson, gonna, where's Donaldson going to play? I guess Donaldson's sliding to third now. They had, uh, you know, they had uh, the short, Parasit shortstop, and I really liked him. But, but you know, Volpe did the, did an amazing thing, and he came in, and he, he just outplayed everybody. And uh, you know, he forced the Yankees to put him on the roster. And I think I think ultimately it's going to be a great thing for the team because he's, he's – he's, I mean, he hits, he feels, he runs, he does everything well, and everybody really likes him. So there's no there's no downside to this. I couldn't agree with you more. He, he's very well liked. Uh, and I think that early in the spring, Judge advocated in a way for him without even using his name, saying, listen, I don't care how old you are. If you could help the Yankees, you should be on the team. So uh, as you said, he just busted the door down. He didn't leave anything to chance. Peraza did not have a good spring offensively. IKF was decent, but I think he proved last year that he's not the long-term answer. And there's also another aspect to this flip that a lot of people aren't talking about. The Yankees as an organization have gotten hammered over the last two years for not going after the many shortstops that were in the free agent market. And their long-term plan was for Volpe or Peraza to be the shortstop. And they, they, they acquired IKF last year as a bridge shortstop. And if Volpe turns out to be the player that everybody thinks he's going to be, then they actually do look like they made the right move and they stayed away from that $300 million contract for a guy like, like a Trey Turner and all the people that were available from shortstop. And this kid's under their control for six years at a very reasonable price. And that's how you build teams. If you're going to pay Aaron judge $40 million, you can't pay everybody $40 million. So this is, this is the, this is the, the move to make. You have a young guy comes up through your system. Yankee fans love homegrown Yankees and, I think he's going to get the second biggest hand on Thursday after Judge. It's something that's been on my mind since this news broke, and I guess toward the decision as well. And David Cohn was the first person who who brought this up. He mentioned how the new rules in the CBA kind of awards a team 
if they promote one of their top prospects on on opening day, if he goes on to finish top three in uh, rookie of the year or even top five in MVP voting, that the team's going to be awarded a first round draft pick. So I'm wondering, you know, is Anthony Volpe the way he looks? Obviously, a special mm-hmm. talent, maybe like an isolated case here. But do you think this move may indicate? a shift in the way that baseball operations could think moving forward with the new rule like that. Well, I guess the Orioles didn't get the, uh, the memo on the new rules because uh, they didn't bring up Grayson Rodriguez for that very reason. They didn't want to start his clock in the starting rotation, but of all the teams out there, I, I think the big money teams should really be the last ones that want to manipulate service time. So if Anthony Volpe becomes a free agent in six years rather than seven if the Yankees want to keep him, they will certainly keep him. They showed that with Judge. I think it was the prudent move. And, you know, there is a, a positive to it, as you mentioned. You can get a first-round draft pick. Now, it's asking a lot for him to be that guy to, to, you know, finish top three in the rookie of the year. But I certainly think he has the talent for it. There's a lot of good young players that are going to be up in the big leagues. I understand that. But if he can do that, the Yankees get rewarded with a first-round draft pick. And, you know, the Mets proved it a couple of years ago. You know, when they, they started the season with Pete Alonso and he had he had a great year rather than hold on a service time. But again, teams like the Yankees and the Mets now with, with Steve Cohen and the Dodgers and, and the Red Sox, they should not even think ever about manipulating service time because they have the money to keep the player when he does become a free agent. The Yankees really needed this to work the way it's working because they had to because they have they've had a spring of uncertainty with injuries there's been a lot of injuries the starting staff has been i don't want to say decimated but because decimated has a long-term implication to it it's not it's not long term but let's say for the short term the yankees were in a little bit of flux for starting with their starting rotation because of the injuries that they've suffered to you know two-thirds of their of their starting rotation that's, that's a lot to lose two or three starters it's a lot and uh, so the Yankees needed some, some, and then you know also the bullpen has been been hurt a little bit. So the Yankees really needed uh, this good news because if you're going to win, you got to get help from unexpected places. We always talk about unexpected places. He was not really expected to to make the team, or, or maybe not if he was going to make him come up in the middle of the season, but not now. So the fact that all that was going on, this says to me, it indicates to me how. You know, getting help from unexpected places, which the Yankees needed to do, and this is really the the best news that could happen. So it, it's good for all. It's great for the team. It's great for this kid. It's really exciting to see him in the mix. He's, he he brings such energy and enthusiasm. And you know, the, the Yankees have really got a brought up some some players who really give them some real life and some real energy. Not that they were dead or anything like that, but the, this energy they're getting from the youth has really been 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 magic. I really believe that this was a great spring. Um, for the development system. You're right, Flip. And I think for an optics level, it's great for all the kids in the minor leagues. Listen, if you perform and you do your job, you've got a chance to win a, uh, win a job. And, you know, another guy who really stood out in spring training was Jason uh, Dominguez because he did everything you could possibly do. And the only reason that he is not being considered to play left field is he never played a game at AAA, didn't play that much at AA. And they do like, like you to at least hit every single level. Volpe did play 22 games at AAA last year, but you've got Peraza down there that can either come back up and play, play shortstop, and if the Yankees make a deal with Torres, they can move Volpe to second. Um, you've got Clark Schmidt, a former number one draft pick, pitching the second game of the year. Um, their, their, their farm system is starting to produce, and, and that's important. A guy like Andres Chaparro had a really good spring training as well. If a team wants to exist long-term as a viable contender, 
It can't just be about spending big money. You've got to produce people from the farm system, and the Dodgers has shown that as well. And I think the Yankee farm system really showed itself this spring, and optically that's big for everybody down there. You do your job, they'll, they'll, they'll make a place for you on the team. They're starting to develop pitching, which is something that they really haven't been able to develop in a really long time. Uh, that's something that is, uh, you know, that has not come out of the Yankee farm system. They usually have to trade for it or sign it in the free agent market or, or sign it internationally. They haven't really been able to to, to have that homegrown the, the presence on the mound. But now it seems like they're developing that, and and that's that's a key because we we really we just mentioned the starting pitching, but the starting pitching was supposed to be a real strength of the team, and, and it will be a strength of the team. But they need everybody back and healthy. But, but right now, that's not the case. No, I, I think uh, you know when when people ask you to prognosticate on the season, you know I, I think we might be underselling a little. They they lost sixty percent of their projected starting rotation, starting with Montas, which was a big blow. So he's probably out for the whole year. If they get him back by September, it'd be great. You cross your fingers about Severino. You know, Rodon was their big free agent pickup flip. And, uh, you know, they're hoping to get him back by the end of April, maybe the beginning of May. So you've got guys like Johnny Brito starting, you know, as the fifth starter for the Yankees. That's 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 a little <laughs> stunning. Uh, and Domingo Herman and Clark Schmidt. So you've got the rock at the top, and that's, you know, Garrett Cole and, and Nestor Cortez. But – they need those pitchers back. They really do because you can't be playing your depth because if something happens to your depth, then there is no depth after that. So uh, that's the one question mark right now that you have with the Yankees. And also their bullpen is a little compromised. No Trevino and no Canely. Both of them were counted on to give them big innings, but they still got a pretty stout bullpen, but it would be fleshed out if those guys got healthy. You touched on depth with the Yankees. I think when you take a look at the AL East, Depth is a concern with the three teams I think could that could finish one, two, three in any order with the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays. What are your what are your thoughts on the division and who do you see as, as the biggest threat contending with the Yankees? Well, you know what? The Rays are always pesky. They they seem like, you know, they, they just know what they're doing and they'll get the most out of everything, even with a low payroll. I think the Blue Jays have taken big steps forward. I think that they're probably the biggest uh, competition for the Yankees to finish the top of the American League East. Uh, I think the Orioles, uh, they made strides last year, finishing over 500, but they did absolutely nothing in terms of adding uh, with the free agent market to round things out. So that's a little disappointing. And I I can't figure out, maybe Flip could help me, I can't fi- figure out the, the Red Sox plan. I, 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 I just don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, it seems like a mishmash of of things thrown together. They, they thought they were going to get back Bogarts, and then they kind of stutter step their way through that. I mean, Kike Hernandez is their starting shortstop. So I, I just don't know what their plan is right now. You know, maybe Chris Sale comes back healthy and is the old Chris Sale, and that would be a shot in the arm. But I just don't see it with the Red Sox. Maybe I'm wrong, but I look at them probably finishing at the bottom of the uh, the division. They're going to bring any pursue back to play shortstop. I yeah, think I said that maybe the plan. The Frank Malzone will play third, and I think that's what they'll do. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, I don't, I don't really see what they're doing either. And it's interesting because the, their plan used to be, you know, that's, since the turn of the century, actually, has been, has been, you know, win a championship and then take a couple of years off and you know, kind of rebuild and you know, don't win a championship, but you know, hang around and then the year or two rebuild and then win a championship and then hang around and year or two rebuild. That's kind of what they've been doing. And I just don't know what they're doing right now. I, I think the organization is a, it's, it's called a timeout and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. But right now, I don't, I don't really see them with a representative product on the field. I don't. 
Yeah. I think every move that it almost seems like they were caught between this rock and a hard place flip where, okay, we're going to cut down payroll and reset under the luxury tax and we're not going to spend as much money. And then they panicked and they gave Devers all the money after trading bets and losing Bogarts and uh, Pedroia goes to injury. So they brought in Hein Bloom, I think, to bring some of that Tampa Bay magic. And it has not translated its way from St. Pete to Boston. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the future. I know. That John Henry, their owner, has fallen under a lot of criticism in Boston. The fans are not pleased. No, they're stuck on the causeway. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of us have been down to Tampa get stuck on that causeway. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, all right. So, so you, you look at – but I'll tell you what, though. Toronto is going to give the Yankees a big, big challenge. They, you know, they were kind of knocking on the door last year. They were a little inconsistent last year, but the players are a year older. And the maturation of that talent – you know, takes a, a, a you know step closer to being super competitive, and um, I, I think Don Mattingly is going to make a difference. I, I do, especially with the young players that they have. I, I think the hitters. I think I think they'll listen to Don Mattingly when he says something. I would agree. I think that was a great hire. I also think um, getting Kevin Kiermaier was important because you could put him in center field. He's a platinum glove winner, and the key for that team is to keep George Springer healthy. And maybe if he's out of center field a lot, he's less wear and tear on his legs. Because when Springer's healthy, they win. And when he's out, they lose. So you've got a pretty good starting rotation led by Alec Manoa. Um, I, I like the way they're put together. I really do. So uh, I think they're going to be a problem for the Yankees. I, I really believe they will be a problem because they're pretty good. And as you said, they have different leadership at the top now. And Mattingly is somebody that kids do listen to. Because a lot of these players, they, they look at Mattingly as a guy that they – they or their fathers looked up to. Boy, are we getting old. Their fathers looked up to. But uh, it is interesting. It's an interesting um, team that they put together in Toronto. How do you see the National League? Uh, we haven't really talked about the National League. Uh, we should talk spend a few minutes on the National League. How uh, how do you see the NL East? Because I mean, that's a pretty stacked division. You know, the Braves and the Mets and the Phillies and you know, a lot going on in that division. How do you see that shaping up? Well, I had the Mets winning the division. Losing Edwin Diaz obviously is big. I mean, it was an unfortunate injury that celebrating a win at the WBC. So now you're asking an older David Robertson to close games and Adam Adovino. Uh, I, I just don't think that translates the same way. They certainly have Steve Cohen's money to make a correction and maybe get a reliever, but people aren't giving them out now. So they're going to have to wait till July. I still think Atlanta is really, really, really good. So I look for them to do well. The loss of Reese Hoskins is going to hurt the Phillies. Uh, but the, the, those three are going to battle for the National League East. Uh, I, I, again, when you're talking about plans, I don't know exactly what the Dodgers are doing. They wanted to reset their their luxury tax, and then they could spend the money to go after Shohei Otani at the end of the year. But when Gavin Lux got hurt, you know their shortstop position's up in the air as well. They weren't able to retain Trey Turner. So I, I think the, the, the top of the, uh, the West is probably – um, San Diego Padres. I mean, with all the money they spent, they better win that division. If they don't win it this year when the Dodgers are taking a little bit of a step back, I'm not sure w- when they can. Milwaukee's always really pesky in the, in the central, but I think the Cardinals are the best team. The, uh, you mentioned the WBC, uh, I, I, which I, I uh, it took a long time for the WBC to kind of um, get to the, the place, that the prominence that it got the last few weeks. But I must tell you, uh, seeing some of those games, those games were riveting. And, uh, you know, I know they're exhibition games, but don't tell the people playing them they're exhibition games. They're playing for their country, and there's a, 
There's a lot of pride that went in those games, and it was super competitive, and it was some of the best baseball I've seen in a long time. I I was not into it. Then I started watching the last couple, and as you said, it was great television. It was it was unbelievable uh, tension and drama. It was it was tremendous. But uh, I'd be hard pressed if I was an owner of a team to want any of my players to play in the WBC. I'm sorry, I I, I don't want to seem like I don't care about representing the country. This thing was invented in 2006 and the players that said that winning the WBC is more important than the world series. I I'm sorry. I don't, I don't get that, especially you're getting paid 20 to $30 million a year to win the world series. And the WBC, although it's great is a glorified exhibition that has been around since 2006. So I, I think it's wonderful. I think the timing is wrong. I think it should be played in November. But um, I'm told that that doesn't work either because the players are too tired. But to ramp up that kind of emotion and that kind of intensity when you've really been in spring training for two weeks, I think is really dangerous. And, you know, you know, the, the, the Astros lost Altuve uh, for two months. The Mets lost uh, Edwin Diaz for the whole year. And uh, you could say, well, what, you could get hurt in Port St. Lucie. I get it. I understand that. But they got hurt in the WBC. Freddie Freeman pulled a hamstring. So if I had my players go there, I'd be – had my heart in my mouth the whole time they were there. But do you see it? You see this something that they could, I'm not saying that uh, it swaps up, but maybe it does. I mean, I think the all-star game has gotten to be something that has lost the attention of America. I mean, the, the, the people are more into the home run derby than they are in the game. And yep. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be smart. the all-star game. I just think it's lost a lot of its impact. And, you know, especially players, you know, free agency has really done a lot of that. Players switch leagues, regularity. I mean, you guys, when we were growing up, and that really was a tremendous game to watch, you know, players were married to a team for forever, so they were in a league forever, American League or National League, whatever. And that's all obviously gone away. And so I, I think it's been really diluted. I think they really need to do something. It's just one game. It's just a couple of days off the players get. But if you took, if you took 12 days, I know it's a long time, you did in the middle of the season. The players are in shape. They're, they're, everybody's in game shape. You do run the risk of somebody being hurt. A player's being hurt. That's true. And I understand that. I understand that very well. And you're right about that. And that's something that would give you, that's a red flag for sure. But if you think about it, that in the middle of the season would really be great because you could, the players could still get a couple, who play it, it could still get a couple of days off. The players who don't play it, it could have that time off to rest and heal and do whatever. And the country, could, the countries in the world, the baseball world, can really see some excellent baseball. And, you know, at a time when, uh, you know, it's in the middle of the season, it's like a jump start. I don't know. A little time off might be an interesting thing. I don't know no. if they'll do that. I don't think they'll take the break. But you extend the season by a week by doing it. But you could do it if you wanted to. I, I agree with you. And maybe you could play the qualifying round in spring training like you do now. And then the championship happens, you know, over a week. Uh, at the all-star break, you know, the NHL has done it. They put their season on hold every four years for the Olympics. And, you know, this would be every three years. And as you know, flip money makes the world go round. And I think that's a television property that people would bid for. And uh, I think they could get a lot of money because you, you see the money or the, the ratings that Japan and Taiwan got 57 million people around the globe. watched it the most watched baseball game of all time. So there's something there. You just have to get the timing right again. I've heard the excuses. I'm still not quite sure why it can't happen after the season in November because players do go play winter league baseball, even if they played a full season anyway. I think that would be the perfect time. And if somebody gets hurt, you've got five months to get ready before the season starts. So even, you know, people have told me, well, Diaz, if he got hurt in November, you know, he'd be out half the season anyway. Yeah, but it wouldn't be the full season. 
and they'd get him back at the all-star break. So it does give you some leeway. So that, that's something that I think the timing could be considered, although Manfred has said that uh, it's still going to remain in March. They see that's the best viable time. I think, uh, I think just the success of this year's tournament is going to force baseball and everyone in the decision-making process to pay more attention and figure out a way that they can just improve the experience for, for everyone involved, trying to accommodate the teams in Major League Baseball who obviously have invested pieces playing and are, are proud participants in this tournament. So I think they're just going to pay more close attention in the near future. I, I did talk to Andy Pettit on my radio show, and he was a pitching coach for Team USA, and he said the emotion and intensity – of that final game against Japan was as real as anything he'd ever experienced in a world series. You know, he won five of them for the Yankees. He said it was just amazing. But then he also said, it was kind of funny. He said, I really wanted to pitch in the WBC in 2009, but the Yankees told me in no uncertain terms, they did not approve of that decision. (laughs) So I think that teams, you know, they're told not to tell players not to do it, but they could certainly make it known in a very tacit way. Uh, this is not a smart thing if you want to pursue a championship. If if that's how the players feel, it's it. I mean, you can you can poo poo the World Baseball Classic if you want, but that can't be ignored uh, going forward. One last one before we let you go here. We started with youth. Let's end with youth. And you mentioned his name earlier. When the regular season ends on October first, will Jason Dominguez be in the same lineup as Anthony Volpe? Well, when I was down there in the middle of uh, March, um, Boone did say. Uh, in a couple of the interviews that I was uh, part of that uh, he could see him contributing this year, which is way more than people thought, you know, Jason Starr had really fallen, you know, during COVID he, he wasn't able to get the reps and it looked like it might be a bust of $5 million signing, but you see all those tools on display, the way he's built, he's a switch hitter. He's got a great arm. Uh, I think he could be seeing action. You know, if, if he sees significant time at AAA and conquers that level, why not? Because the one question mark the Yankees have right now is who the heck is playing left field. And the Yankees are using him in left field in the minor league. So I definitely could see him be there uh, and, and contribute in, in some way, shape or form. Michael, you've been a great guest. I think this is your third appearance on curtain call. So you have the record. Wow. You know, I, I don't is know. That like five times on SNL. Do I get a jacket or something? Uh, no, we retire you after five. You, you get retired. We put you on the wall. Yeah. I don't with the with the anyway, uh, but we appreciate uh, you doing it, and uh, uh, you know you got to start the baseball season, so you've got a full slate of season ahead of you, and you've got uh, your work. Congratulations on your resigning with uh, with ESPN Radio. I think that's a great gig, and you've done a wonderful job there. And uh, and uh, also we look forward to uh, the K Ron, you and Alex Rodriguez. That's so so that's fun, and we look forward to another season of that. So thank you for your time. We appreciate it, and I, I love you personally. So be well. I'll talk to you soon. I love you all as well. Thank you, Flip, and thanks, Justin. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate you. You know, John, something that we didn't have time to ask Michael about, and I think you could speak to this, obviously. Um, biggest challenge for TV broadcast crews with the new rules in place for 2023. What do you think they are? Well, you, you have to speed up. I mean, you know, Buckshaw Walter, who knows as much about baseball as probably anybody I've ever met, I mean, a point the other day, Roy Buck could make this point. He goes, the bad boys had better be good, and they better be the bad people, whoever they are, bad, bad boys or bad girls. They better be really quick because there's no lagging here. There's, you don't have a lot of time. So you got to get that bat, you got to get that, you got to get the player up there, you got to get it moving. And so you got to pick up that batter, you got to bring it back, so you got to go up the field, so you got to keep the game moving. 
uh, Buck, that's Buck's observation. That was, that's what makes Buck so great, his observations like that. But uh, I, I think a lot of it obviously is time because everything's been condensed. And, and I, I think it's really good because the, it's not, the, it's, again, they've chopped some time off the game for sure, which, which is not a bad thing. But it's really not so much about chopping time off to me as it is the crispness of play. The play is really very crisp now. And it's, it really moves along. And a lot of the lag time is gone. And a waste of time. There was a lot of wasted time in the game. And I think that's been addressed by, by the new rules. So, again, they're all designed principally, well, most of them are designed principally to sort of cut down, on, you know, to, t- to tighten the game up. And I think what they tried to do, they did it in spring training, I think absolutely worked. Now we'll see if it works in the regular season. It's a different kind of game in the regular season. The, the point of it is, yes, you speed it up, and that's good. But I, I said, really, it tightens the game up. That, that's what the game needed. It needed to be tightened. And the, the lag time that was in there was was quite quite a bit. And now everybody's playing at a much crisper pace, and the, the game is better for it. I have to think, John, Buck Shawwater this spring training in Port St. Lucie was probably on a backfield somewhere flying in personnel to have a – Open tryouts for Bat Boys and Bat Girls. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I could see that. No Buck, I could see that yeah. for sure. You know, but but it's it really will be a challenge for the. You mean less replays because we're not going to have time to do multiple replays. There isn't time, so you know, you. I mean, you can carry it over to the next. You don't want to miss a pitch, so you come out, take the pitch, and go back and do another replay if you need to. There's going to be a lot of that going on, but and you don't have time to tell elaborate stories because. The game don't lend, won't lend itself to, to very elaborate stories. You can still tell stories. It's still the backlog of a broadcast is, is storytelling. It's the nature of what we do. But but having said that, there'll be it'll be tighter storytelling. Everything will be tighter. Everything will be quicker. And everybody's going to have to make their points. Even even reads, you know, commercial reads, and it's going to have to be quicker, less copy. And that, all that's probably good for the game to have less stuff. So, you know. Again, the baseball set out to tighten its game, to tighten the presentation. We obviously have set out to do the same, and we're we're taking the pace that's given to us, and and adapting it to our broadcasts because we have to. But at the end of the day, like I said, it, it, it's going to work. I know it's going to work long term, but I think it's, the game is much better for it. I think it's all going to force everyone involved with the game to be more of efficient workers. We're going to have to sharpen up a little bit. I like that. We're we're all going to improve as people because of new rules on the baseball field, John. Um, one thing that you mentioned to Michael was the injury, uh, the injuries to the pitching staff for the Yankees. Now, the last two years, Yankees pitching has been terrific. It really has. Uh, the offense has let them down in the end, ultimately. But here at the very start of the season, there are a lot of pitching concerns, whether it is injuries or the lack of depth here. How concerning is the starting pitching depth at the beginning of the season for you? Well, it, it's a concern. I mean, it has to be a concern. I mean, you can't lose the starters that they've lost and have it not be, you know, have it affect you. It's just nobody has the, the kind of depth that they can absorb, you know, the loss of three starters. You just, it's really hard to do. And so the Yankees are just going to have to tread water until everybody comes back. But the good news is, the, the, you know, most of these injuries are not projected to be long term. You know, they're, they're short term. So, you know, a matter of a month, you can have two of your starters back or six weeks. So, you know, it's 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 a challenge, but I think the Yankees are equipped to handle it. And you know, everybody else is going to have to step up and do what they need to do. And the bullpen's going to have to be, you know, hold hold the fort when it can. And the Yankees are going to have to hit better and produce more runs. And everybody's going to have to do more than they were programmed to do or were expected to do, because the loss of, of starting pitching really has that kind of profound effect 
We always talk about connected tissue. The game is a lot of connected tissue. Nothing is more connected than starting pitching. And it's the most imperative thing that you can have in a team. The most imperative that you face is um, is having to have good, solid starting pitching. It's how you win championships. That's that, that's always been the, the criteria that can't be debated because you, you won't win that debate. you got to have strong starting pitching. And the Yankees, you know, went out and acquired who they needed to acquire. They put themselves in a position to be absolutely awesome. And then the injuries have come along and sort of kind of quasi-decimated the, the starting pitching. I say quasi because I don't think it's long-term. I think we'll get some people back as we discussed. But, but the, the, you know, what David Cohn always makes the point, and he's right, that you don't really need – you don't need four or five starting pitches. You need seven or eight. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's an attrition. It's a, it's a war. It's a battle of attrition. You're going to lose players. You're just going to – whether it's, you know, too cold. When it's cold, sometimes people get hurt. Or just you get – somebody get hurt too. Arm injuries can happen anytime. And, you know, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough when you lose your uh, starting pitching because it's it's hard to get. You have to trade for it. You have to sign it, create it. It costs you a lot of money. And, you know, unless you're fortunate enough to develop, then very few teams are really able to develop good, solid starting pitching. The Yankees have it in abundance. They had it in the offseason in abundance. They were all set up. Everybody just needed to stay healthy. But that's not going to be the case right now. So they'll have to do their battles. They'll have to win what they need to win. But at the end of the day, they'll be left standing when that starting pitching returns to them, because that will be the, the thing that separates them from everybody else. All right, let's get to some predictions here. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you in direct way. They're, these are like open-ended questions, but asked directly. All right. If that makes like any that. sense like at all. I like that definition. I like that. Yeah. So here we go. All right. Yeah. Number one, do yeah. you think the Yankees win the American League East? Yes. But not by a lot. And who's their toughest Toronto competition? Will be right with them, and I think Tampa will be right with them. So I think the Yankees will have – it'll be one, two, three. I think Yankees, Toronto, Tampa, uh, and Toronto and Tampa really very close to the Yankees, like okay. separated by two games. I think it'll be that close. Do you think the Yankees win the American League pennant? Yes, I do. I think it's, I think it's time. that uh, I, I think the – if the starting pitching returns, and I think it will, and, and the bullpen has to get straight, you know, return there has to get strong. Those are big ifs, you know. And, and but I'm but I'm kind of betting. I'm not a betting person, but for the sake of, of this of our podcast, I'm going to play one on TV. Pretend I am. Uh, I'm a better. Okay, let's do that. But I I, uh, I look at a team and I say, where where are they weak? Can they hit the ball? Yes, they can hit the ball. Can they catch the ball? They can catch the ball. Are they good at the? You know, Volpe is the key. Volpe's a key. He's 21 years old, but Derek Jeter was a key at 21 as well. Um, if this kid can play the way everybody thinks he can play, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the Yankees, because he, he solidifies their infield. He's a, he can be a catalyst uh, in that lineup. Uh, there's nothing he can't do. And as he gets older and better with more reps, he's going to be able to show what he can do. Hit, hit with power. He can run the bases. He can catch the ball. Arm strength may be a, not quite really great for a shortstop. You know, Peraza had uh, had a better arm, I think. It, it made better throws, but but again, he's it's not a weakness. It's not he's not a liability there. He's just not as strong as some other people could be there. He's got everything else. There's nothing he lacks. And you know, Judge is going to have to have a big year. Stan's going to have to protect him have a big year. You know, like like always, Bader's got to you know come out and perform. He's hurt. You know, so you won't see him till the middle of May. You know, early. I don't know when you'll see him. So. But you will see him soon. 
So once these pieces come back and they have to stay healthy and stay on the field, you know, make contributions and they can do that, they've got an excellent chance to win. I think so with, I, I like them. Yeah, I think I think with the offense and with these skills that Anthony Volpe presents, the end goal for the Yankees offense at some point this year would be to have Volpe in the leadoff spot, DJ LeMahieu hitting in more RBI situations, maybe in fifth or sixth behind Judge, Rizzo, and Stanton. But for, for all the skills that a, a kid like Anthony Volpe presents, if he could get into that leader, leadoff spot, earn that position, I think the Yankees offense just presents a whole different dynamic from what we've seen in recent years past, for sure. I absolutely agree with that. I totally 100% agree. All right, last one. Who do you, who do you predict will win the World Series? Do you like this phrase well, of questioning? Do you, wow. like, do you like the open-endedness <laughs> to the direct questions? These, I, I don't mind direct questions. The problem is I have to give you a direct answer, and it's really hard <laughs> to answer some of these questions because, you know, it's, 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 you need a crystal ball, but I don't, I don't see one around. I see a lot of other things in this, my office. I don't see crystal ball. But um, who do I think is going to win a World Series? Uh, wow. Uh, I mean, again, it's going to come down to health. You know, if the Yankees can stay healthy, they have an excellent shot. They just do. Uh, but they're going to have to stay healthy. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess this is a caveat of health goes with any team. So, you know, if the Yankees can stay healthy, I, I like the Yankees. I think they have a real shot to win. I think, like I said, Toronto could very well push them. I like them. Houston, you can never rule out Houston. Houston is as strong as, the, you know, but losing Altuve is a big blow to them. And they're losing for months. So that that's going to hurt them to the point where I, I think that will impede them from winning, from, from repeating the uh, best pennant winners in the American League. I think that that will go by the boards because of the Tuve situation, uh, but but again, I think that they have a nice team, and I think they always give the Yankees fits. Uh, but at the end of the day, I look at who's standing, and you know, I still the Yankees are going to stand tall. I think the Yankees are going to win it. I do. No, you're going to be in the Bronx on opening day, first game of the season. What are you going to be paying most attention to? Uh, During the game, when, when when first pitch is thrown, what, what yeah. are you going to be paying most attention to? I'm actually, believe it or not, I wind up with my app, uh, the Yes app, <laughs> watching the game. <laughs> my cheats, you know, I got to cheat down and take a look at the game because I just have to. And, uh, anytime there's a critical play, I'll make sure that the replays are there, and I'll check that out a little bit. So I'm excited to see that the progress of our app has really been great, and uh, you know the the people work on it have done a really incredible job for us. Uh, and, you know, John Linder's been an initiative of his, and Randy Levine, I think, has done a great job. And Matt Duarte and other people work on the app have been just great. So I, I, I've got to go with uh, that, uh, you know, I've, I've got to support that that effort, and I will, and I, and because it's a really good job by by them. So, you know, once we get that moving, uh, you know, the, I think that will, uh, I think it will actually further the development of what we're trying to do. So uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that, that potential situation happening. And, uh, Regardless of what happens or not, the, the 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 app experience is really wonderful, and watching a game from your seats is is you know is is, is good. it's like being there. And I'm going to be there so I get to post the both world. So, but I have to I have to measure the telecast. I have to watch some of the telecast because you know it's what I do. And uh, and uh, but it's fun. It's fun when you see an angle or something in the, that you that you can't see from this from your seats. You'll see it on TV. So you're getting the world of television before you, and that's an incredible world. You're also, but you're also getting the world of uh, of uh, you know remote television because you know you'll be uh, we'll be watching some, some things that you know outside of the home show so I think it's but I do think it's gonna be fun like always opening day is very very special day 
the pageantry of it, the history and tradition that is endemic to the Yankees is, is truly all on display on opening day. So enjoy it. Have a great time if you're going to the game. You know, if not, uh, please, Michael, uh, you will please, Michael, enjoy yourself. And then, and then, Justin, I, I, are you going to the game by, by chance? Justin, oh, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you'll enjoy it because it's opening day and there's a lot to enjoy. And uh, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, before you turn around, it'll be fall. And, We'll see if our, if our, what kind of prognosticators we are, but but it's going to be an exciting year, and um, see what Aaron Judge can do is on a repeat run. If he's going to have any kind of year like he had uh, last year, I, I think he might. I, think, I just think he might, but uh, we'll see. But it's fun. Dare I ask? Because you you kind of just uh, descended beautifully. Uh, anything else as we land the plane? Anything else as we land the plane? Um, yeah. Yes. The, uh, you know, the, put fasten your seatbelt. Because you know uh, the, the the Jays in the race uh, will be will give us a, give us a bumpy ride for sure. So but if you're going to descend, you know, and you're going to play, make sure you've got that seatbelt fastened, and make sure you're paying attention to the Rays and the Jays because they will be they they'll be forces as well. But but it's look it's 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 that time of year, and everything is hope springs eternal, right? Although hope is not a plan, as we always talk about, but hope does spring eternal. And it's it's a great thing, and you know, to get behind a team, to support a team, because in spring training, everybody's kind of starting the even way, and uh, I think that that's the wonderful thing about the sport. You know, it does start, especially in the spring, it starts zero zero, and it's time for. But but don't but that now everything's going to count. The stakes go up, and you know you'll separate the men from the boys here. And again, I, I still think the Yankees have a, a lot going for them, and they have the, they have the, the money behind them too. If they need to you know spend money, I think they'll do it. And uh, so we'll see how it flows. Can't wait to get going. Thursday opening day at Yankee Stadium. You can watch that game, of course, on the Yes Network. John, it's been a pleasure. Happy opening day. Happy New Year. I think it's appropriate that you could say Happy New Year with baseball uh, in in late March here. Happy New Year to you. Same to you, my friend. Thank you so much. And to all our listeners out there, thanks for supporting us. Great review, subscribe. We appreciate it. And we'll see you all very shortly. Thank you so much. He is John J. Filippelli. I'm Justin Jackal for our terrific producer, Dan Bassone. Enjoy opening day, everybody. We'll talk to you soon here on the Curtain Call Podcast, a production of the Yes Network.